Welcome in to another episode of the Esports Network podcast, presented, of course, by Esports Network. I'm your host, Mitch Dreams, and today I'm joined by Kevin Pond. He's the Esports Program Manager for UC Berkeley, otherwise known as Cal. Kevin, thanks for joining me. Hey, Mitch. Nice for you to have me on here. It's great to talk. We're talking to Kevin today for a variety of reasons, but mostly centered around this new panel discussion. So Cal is inviting Comcast. Uh, through, through Comcast and Cal, Evil Geniuses and Twitch are coming to host a panel about careers in the esports industry. That's going to be happening on Thursday, October 31st, Halloween. And we're recording right now on Tuesday, October 29th, so before the panel happened. So, Kevin, I want to start out. What are you expecting out of this panel? What are you most looking forward to? In, in this panel, we're definitely expecting a lot of students who have very important questions about the future of esports, where things are going, what kind of careers are going to be available, um, and then just picking the brains of you know the CEO of Evil Geniuses is going to be there. It's going to be fantastic. Picking the brains of the competitive players who are going to be present, and also talking to um, our guest. Professor Moran with American Studies about her thoughts on the gaming and esports industry. Mostly just answering a lot of questions students have about the future, about their place in that future. Yeah, I'm sure you're, the students at Cal are going to have a ton of questions. It really seems, I was just back at my university, went to the University of Oregon, and I went in and met with uh, one of our student groups, and they just have so many questions because it just seems like there's hundreds and hundreds of kids trying to figure out hey, can I make a career in esports? How do I do it? Where do I go? There's just so much demand for that knowledge right now. Yeah, I would definitely say so. I mean, in the past few years, what we've seen is students would look to the future and think, how do I get into the gaming industry? How do I get into esports? And they didn't see any doors. It was just you graduate college and then the stories from alumni in the past were just kind of like, I got picked up. It just kind of happened out of nowhere. And there wasn't really a lot of agency beyond... Um, either doing something incredible or just being in the right place at the right time. At least that's what student perception is. And in the past few years with programs like Cal Esports, programs like uh, UCI's Esports program, and many, many others across the nation now, they're starting to see those doors beginning to open. And what we're trying to do, especially with um, Xfinity, is to keep these doors open for students and make sure that they know that they are available. And that actually gets into a great point. What's Comcast's role in here? Comcast Xfinity are synonymous. What's uh, what is their role in this panel discussion? What are they doing for the kids? So Comcast is our big event partner for this event. Um, they've been fantastic. They have this leading edge internet and media program that has been going on for you know decades now. But they're just now entering into the esports space in the past few years, and this is part of their. So Xfinity is powering this event by bringing together a panel of gaming and esports professionals um, together with Evil Geniuses. Evil Geniuses is their um, strategic partner. And with their help, we're making sure that we can make those connections between key industry professionals and the students who are looking to enter into that professional space. Definitely. It's really cool to see Comcast get really involved in the esports space in a big way. They are behind the $50 million Philadelphia Fusion Arena, which I am super, super stoked about. I think that's going to be one of the coolest esports arenas, probably the coolest esports arena we have to date. And so I'm really excited for that. That won't be done until 2021. So don't expect to see that in the upcoming Overwatch season. But it just shows how Comcast is really focusing in on the esports space and 
building it out in a variety of ways. I mean, it's been crazy. Every It seems like every time I look at the news, there's just article after article about new esports arenas popping up in the United States, especially because it seems like the region as a whole has kind of been a little bit slow on the uptake of gaming and esports in general, you know, compared to, um, you know, countries and uh, Asian countries, especially China has been very, very forward with promoting gaming. But in particular, I want to point out many collegiate programs are also getting their head start. In the past two years, I've seen it just explode where it went from uh, being able to count the number of varsity equivalent programs on your two hands to, I think, over 100 now that I've heard of. Wow, that's crazy. Last I checked, it was like somewhere in the 50s, but that was over a year ago. So totally believe it has crept up into the triple digits at this point. So it, it, it's insane to see its growth on college campuses. Absolutely. I mean, I've already gotten in contact recently in the past few months with a number of other directors from other programs that are up and coming that are looking to do some launches. And I'm super excited to hear about what they're, what they're uh, working on. Every single campus seems to have their own individual flavor for how their program operates. No two programs are the same. There's no, you know, like cookie cutter ingredients list of you need to do this, this, and this to make an esports program on a college campus. You have to really work with your students and you have to work with um, kind of the vibe on campus in order to get it just right. Definitely. I think that's a that's a great point. And we've looked at our listener demographics and we have a ton of overlap with college age kids. So have to assume that somebody listening to this podcast right now is in uh, a college, maybe already in an esports program or not. But you helped build the Cal esports program. So what tips would you give to a college student who might be at a school that doesn't have a huge esports initiative or is trying to expand what they currently do have? Uh, already on the campus, whether it's a club or it's a rec sport, or they're even in the early stages of varsity, possibly. What tips would you give to a student listening to this podcast about building up your esports initiatives at the school? Hmm. I think I can kind of go into two big buckets. One would be motivation of or the why of why you're doing this for the student themselves and kind of that personal journey because it takes a lot to build a program at a campus where you feel like you don't have allies or if the campus um, administration just doesn't seem too receptive or it's not a priority and then the other half would be the how of actually what you're doing and how you're doing it and how to be effective with starting a new program so um kind of the first part would be the the, the how um, is once you've established that you want to do this thing, um, the most important thing is your determination. So it's not going to be easy. It is never easy starting a new program. Um, it wasn't easy for, you know, the. It's, I'd like to uh, even draw a comparison to the, how football started in the United States. I mean, ultimately, it came down to a bunch of college kids really liked to play a game, and they played it so well, and so many people liked it, that eventually this whole, you know, multimedia goliath of professional football and the nfl coalesced around it that only happened because students believed in it and that's how esports is progressing in the united states that's how cal esports started itself as well and if you are a college kid trying to make a program you first need to find at least a handful of other students that you can trust and that believe in your vision you have to know what you want to do you have to like just hone in on your North star and be like, I need to do this and this and this. I need five other students who will work with me to make a fantastic club, to make a fantastic organization, start somewhere, start small and start building up from there. 
Yeah, that really is the best advice. It all starts with finding that group of students and then you can bring that to faculty. And at this point, tides have turned a little bit. It's crazy. You, you mentioned how fast things are changing in the collegiate esports world. I graduated in 2017. And so for most of the early part of 2017 and 2016, my senior year, I was trying to figure out how to get University of Oregon to do esports. And I, it was just brick wall after brick wall after brick wall. No faculty didn't know about it. Uh, people weren't doing anything. They, they didn't see the, the benefit to it. And now I just went back on campus. I, I've been invited to speak at a business of esports workshop. They're holding this, this winter at the school. The, there's a UO esports team, a part of the student TV network, where they're going to be broadcasting the UO esports clubs live events. And so just going back there after I was hit with so many different walls, it's crazy to see how attitudes have shifted in really two and a half years. It's really remarkable to see. Yeah, I mean, the, the tone has definitely changed, um, at least in a formally organized way. Um, I can only speak from my own experience, but in a formally organized way, the clubs on the UC Berkeley campus, gaming clubs, only really started to become solid around 2008, 2009, and it was still very, very casual at the time. Um, and the clubs were progressing, progressing, progressing. Um, no formal interaction with campus besides, I think there was uh, an ASUC sponsorship. That's our student union. They got involved. So the club became more official and recognized on campus as just a gaming club um, prior to 2015. I think the, ch the tone, at least from my perspective, the tone of collegiate esports changed dramatically with the Heroes of the Dorm competition in 2015. The, that competition was tremendous. It changed everyone's minds. I think the prize pool um, in scholarship money was in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. It was insane. That was so ASU, many college right? campuses. Or was that Cal? Competed. Cal won yeah. that one? Or was that ASU? Yeah. Cal won, Cal won the inaugural year. Good for them. So, Congratulations. I remember, uh, remember, I remember they won it once because my, my friend uh, who who's working around with me at uh, my girlfriend's work, he's like from ASU and he was gloating about their win in that. So it's the only reason I bring that one up. But yeah, it's winning is the best thing to help convince faculty that this is a thing if you were like hey our students are the best at this makes that conversation a lot easier to get formal support right yeah i mean it wasn't just here's the dorm um the campus clubs had been winning competitions for several years before then especially in the csl or collegiate star league tournament which is one of the largest collegiate tournament series in the united states if not the largest um, i believe blizzard's tespa compete series um, is also extremely popular nowadays, but not in the sense that uh, CSL has been doing it for many, many years. And Cal has always placed very well in those tournaments, especially StarCraft II, where we have a little bit of a reputation. I was going to say, I think you guys actually smacked me in Hearthstone. I'm pretty sure you knocked me out of the Tespa playoffs, uh, my season. <laughs> and the Hearthstone team practices a lot. Um, they they always have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder because they always get to like the top few places. Um and they're really trying to pull for those first places more often now. Yeah, well, welcome to Hearthstone. You do all the best. You do everything right, and you're still going to lose the game like 30% of the time. So that's just the nature of that game. It's kind of like life. <laughs> yes, it, it is kind of like life. It is. So you speak about faculty a little bit. Do you feel like most of the faculty members you talk to are pretty open and receptive to this? Or is there still a lot of uh, education that needs to be done about what this space is, some of the stereotypes that 
probably aren't applicable and, and something else? Or do you feel like most people at Cal are pretty on board with this? Uh, nowadays, I would say most faculty, or if not almost all faculty that I've spoken to, are either unaware of esports but optimistic and receptive, or know about it and are actively promoting it, like the growth of it, maybe not you know in the trenches with us, but they're cheering for us, definitely. Um, that has changed significantly over the past 10 years. Um, it used to be where like gaming was kind of demonized a little bit. It was like the new rock and roll kind of thing where it's like oh, only antisocial people play video games. But what we're seeing now, um, everyone's, you know, has their megaphones out where everyone's saying gaming is social. It is not antisocial. One of the biggest reasons why gaming is popular is because it's transforming passive entertainment like movies, like um, radio or other forms of entertainment into active entertainment, which would be something that you can only enjoy certain aspects of it when you share it with other people. And that's what makes gaming so connective and so social. And that's why it's so intensely important in today's, um, in today's climate. It's so funny that gaming got that reputation as being antisocial when people binge watch Netflix, which is literally the most antisocial activity you could ever have. And if you were to watch one, just one team sport, it, any esport, really, there's there's very few esports. Hearthstone's actually probably the least social of all of them. And even the college age kids play three to the team, so they still have to talk. When you listen to a League of Legends team do callouts or CSGO or StarCraft, it doesn't really matter. Any of those games, they have to talk constantly, all the time. And it's it doesn't hold up to even just two minutes of actual scrutiny. So... It's it's so funny that, that that stereotype somehow got associated with gaming when there's so many other non-social mediums and entertainment mediums that we choose to use all the time. And gaming is probably the most social of any of them. Well, I mean, when I, when I talk about gaming and when I talk about esports, it goes beyond just sitting there actually competing. Like when you're actually sitting there, like, you know, grinding through the ranks, putting in the hours training your skills if you're that kind of person and that's how how you want to engage with it then more power to you fantastic but most people engage with gaming in a more casual sense um i'd like to draw an analogy to like let's say something that wouldn't be too social if you really think about it like i don't know like you're a quilter you you don't go to quilting parties but you actually do they're called quilting clubs they're they're pretty popular with um with older folks but while quilting if you're just sitting there in your house quilting for hours and hours making this thing that is like a labor of your love ultimately it's a social activity because you're sharing it with other people and your only initial connection is through the activity you're doing if you look at you know pottery clubs pottery groups um artisan guilds everything everyone's only connected by the things that they're passionate about doing and gaming is no different from that definitely and especially if you're a college faculty you want to connect with your kids where they are. So if you're going to have thousands of kids playing video games in their dorm rooms, well, you should open up the ways for them to mobilize and be a part of the the central college community. Give them those clubs and those avenues to get them out of their dorm rooms because they're already going to be playing the games. So you might as well have them play the games with with the support of the school underneath the Cal banner, improving school spirit. It's really a, it's it's a it's a home run for uh for faculty administration because everybody's already playing the games anyway absolutely and it makes sense um at least from a campus perspective 
to be able to align more closely with the future of high tech, the future of the entertainment industry, um, and the future of kind of just student interest and student hobbies. It always is advantageous to listen to what your students are engaging with and try and meet them um, where they're spending their time. Definitely. And it's a, it's a big win. You don't want, one of the ways I was able to get some traction faculty was pointing out that Oregon State and Washington both had much bigger gaming clubs and faculty supported clubs. It's like, hey, we don't want people going to our rival schools because they have a bigger gaming club. And that was like one of the only arguments that seemed to actually bring some traction into the faculty members. And that's sort of happening up and down the West Coast. It's becoming a thing that you really, it's a decision that incoming freshmen are making. They're looking at gaming infrastructure because it's something they're passionate about. So it matters to to incoming freshmen where they choose to, to come to school. Yeah, it definitely matters. I mean, even some of our uh, recently admitted players who just came to Cal, this is their freshman first semester, part of their decision in coming to Cal was to join our esports program. They wanted to come here specifically so that they could play for the teams, compete, possibly go pro, maybe just get a job in the gaming industry or do something with that experience. But they saw it as valuable enough that it weighed heavily in their decision making. And offering those pathways like this panel to bring it full circle, offering those pathways to a career in esports is so key. It might not be the direct like game design and that sort of career pathway, but just having like a, a great example is I, I went into journalism and now they're doing there are these different avenues for sports journalism and esports that didn't exist two years ago. And that would have been a key factor in what classes I would have taken. I would have loved to have a dedicated class towards esports journalist, journalism because I just had to figure all that out myself. And so by offering these different pathways, these panels, these workshops, showing that we care about this space that you're passionate about, it gives kids, it, it shows that the the, the faculty that the college is listening to where the kids are and providing them with pathways into careers that they're passionate about, that they want. It absolutely does. It, it shows solidarity with the students. It shows that people are actually listening to what the future is going to hold. And it's going to hold a whole lot of video games. I'll tell you that. It absolutely will. It absolutely will. So panel, break it down for me a little bit. You talked about evil geniuses, can you run through? Do you have the guest list in front of me? Who do you have talking? I do. So the panel will feature uh, number one, Nicole Jameson, the CEO of Evil Geniuses. I'm sure she has a lifetime of experience compressed into several years of working with Evil Geniuses. Um, just a tremendous journey there. Um, we have the professional and very popular Fortnite player Monster with Evil Geniuses who will be on the panel. Um, we have Katrina Polanka, the Director of Sponsorship Operations at Twitch, who will also be our moderator for the panel. And Jaden Diaz, a very popular League of Legends streamer. And last but not least, uh, one of our very own at Cal, the, a professor with American Studies and Assistant Director for the American Studies Department, Kathleen Moran. Um, she has a wealth of experience ranging from American history to popular culture and emerging media that I think will really kind of pull everything together with that academic sense. Definitely. That's a, such a wide panel. I, I love that too, where it's a bunch of people who provide really different experiences. I think it's going to be cool to hear the difference between 
somebody who's heavily in the League of Legends world and somebody who's heavily in the Fortnite world. Because it's just the way those games are run, just the games themselves are drastically different. So it'll be really cool to hear how their two experiences differ based on the games they focus on. Yeah, I mean, I kind of want to see some uh, some some soft competition going on between those two game panelists. It's going to be cool to see, like, you know, one question, someone takes it one way and the other person takes it completely other direction. I think that'll be really cool. I think that's uh, that's definitely in the realm of possibility, given, you know, somebody, it, they could get into a little bit of the Fortnite prize pool, but League of Legends has the viewers, and it's like, see them at heads a little bit. And both are probably very passionate about their games. It'll be interesting to see if the Fortnite guy, how he's feeling during Fortnite too. I covered that community for the last year of my life and it was a lot of ups and downs is what I will say about the Fortnite community and professional players in the Fortnite scene. Uh, they were unhappy quite quite a lot over the last year. That's that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could say you could say a lot about Fortnite itself and the Fortnite community, but I think um, maybe indirectly I think Fortnite has done a lot of good in the gaming space. Just it may be purely good for how huge it really is. I think Fortnite was a big turning point, at least in mainstream media, for taking gaming and esports seriously. Um, not just the recent, you know, world's competition, where I think it was like a hundred million dollar prize pool, um, but more importantly, just the widespread popularity of the game, where parents could actually talk about a game with their kids, which is so popular that. Maybe your, your neighbors uh, also, their kids are playing it too. And then, you know, your football coach's kids are playing it too. And then your, your science professor, like literally everyone's kids were playing it. And it made people talk about gaming in a serious way. And maybe those conversations were negative. Maybe they were positive. But it generated a lot of useful conversation, which I think has answered a lot of questions for people. It definitely has. In Fortnite, Epic Games deserves all the credit in the world for making the the game that hits the widest range of demographics we've ever seen. I mean, you have NFL players playing this game and you have third graders playing it. And it's, you'd be hard pressed to ever find a game that catered to such a wide, wide range of different ages, of different genders, of different socioeconomic classes, of different regions around the world. Fortnite for doing all that, the Fortnite community has been amazing. Fortnite pros and, specifically have had a, a fair amount of complaints with Epic Games, but it seems like it's getting a little bit better for them. It does seem like it's getting a little better for them. And, you know, they've made a lot of money based off Epic Games Fortnite. So I, I think they might complain about the direction of the game, but ultimately they're very stoked that, you know, this guy is playing for evil geniuses to play Fortnite. I'm sure he's stoked about that. Mm -hmm. I mean, from what I see with the, uh, with the professional complaints, they're understandable, but I think Fortnite's direction right now is going more as a game. Fortnite is a form of entertainment, and ultimately, the esports competitions that you see on Twitch, that you see on TV, what's really going on is those are shows to entertain viewers, and then you know money through advertising and media rights deals and everything else that goes into the um, the financial scheme that's going on in the background. But ultimately, it's entertainment, and if the game's not fun people like us aren't going to play it. We're not professional Fortnite players. If it's not fun, we're not going to play it. So I think the development team at Epic has a very difficult task of making the game fun enough so that the layperson can enjoy it, 
but also complex enough that it has this compelling, interesting professional space that you can watch that is also interesting. It's a great point. They have to do, and that's part of how wide range of their demographics they fit. There's absolutely no way to keep everybody happy at all the times with one game because people just want such drastically different things out of one game. All right, well, that's. I don't want to get too far down the Fortnite road, although I do love what Epic Games does, uh, for better or for worse. I'm excited to hear what he has to say about it, because I love to hear pros' thoughts on the game, especially about the new season. You know, I haven't covered the game for the last couple of months, so I've seen a lot of positive reactions to the new Fortnite season, so that's been good for them. Uh, final thing I want to end it with, is, are we getting Pac-12 support for eSports? This was a thing that Larry Scott once talked about uh, said, hey, Pac-12 is going to do this esports thing. I was back in like 2016. Like he was a really early adopter to it. And then it sort of faded away. So is the conference coming back around on esports? What do you think? Uh, I believe in April they announced a full stop to any of their interest in esports whatsoever. So as far as we know, um, Pac-12 uh, or even NCAA, at least in the West Coast region, um, will not have any formal involvement from the Pac-12. I don't know if the Big Ten are doing anything. I don't know if any other conferences are doing anything. Um, but at least for Pac-12, they've got a new TV yeah. program. Like they signed a deal to broadcast their esports competitions on uh, on through the Big Ten network. So they're actually doing yeah. something over there. Pac-12 network actually it's separate from the from the conference. The Pac-12 network has been doing a decent amount of esports coverage, specifically mostly focused around Utah and the varsity program over at the University of Utah. But as far as um, like Pac-12 actually running and formalizing its own um, like collegiate thing, like what they do with you know football or with other sports, I don't think they're going to be entering that space. So it, I'm expecting us to keep our Wild West Frontier status for some time to come. I certainly am as well. But actually, could be a big thing that just dropped today. Again, recording this on Tuesday, probably going to publish this later in the week, but. News from the NCA came out saying that they're looking into players receiving benefits from their likenesses. And that was one of the things that Larry Scott mentioned was like how, you know, with people always streaming on Twitch, how do we unmonetize everything? And this new NCAA deal, which was spearheaded by California, actually, has possibly opened up the doors for another look at this. So who knows where, where we go from here, but Today's news around the NCAA could actually be very important for esports and colleges. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't have too much to comment on how that affects sports as a whole because it certainly does um, very hugely. But if I remember correctly, one of the biggest sticking points why the pack, initial Pac-12 deals just didn't really work out is because so many players, like we have players for Cal who are, you know, have professional esports experience and they come to college and they continue to play and they might be streamers in their off time. They might be raking in tons of money. We don't know. It doesn't really matter to us right now. And it doesn't matter to any of the tournament organizers. And because there's no, um, you know, second party or first party with the campuses that's actually moderating these things, it's okay with us. So for us, it's continued status quo, but, in the NCAA world, it's the world got flipped on its head. Definitely, definitely. It, it'll be really interesting to see how it develops. Uh, eventually, the NCAA is going to want some piece of this. You know they do. Just 
<laughs> but how many varsity sports there are out there? And I know you're in, involved in a program, so you probably can't say it's not about this. But I, I'm very confident NCAA is going to try and get their hands in the in the esports pie here pretty soon. Uh, and this new deal, well, whatever it, whatever it means, I've seen conflicting reports. If it means players can get paid, or if it means they can receive undisclosed benefits uh, based on their likenesses, who knows? But things are moving, and California is leading the way in tech in esports and in panels. So be sure to check out this Cal panel. It'll be, uh, it's happening on Halloween. They're going to do a recording of it. And so, you know, I think I'm going to publish this on Friday. So you're going to listen to this after it goes up and I'll just put the link to the panel down in the description so that everybody can go check out this panel after listening to the podcast because they're going to be talking about a lot of interesting things. And if you are uh, if you're interested in a career in esports, these are the experts you want to be hearing from. So thank you so much for joining the podcast, Kevin. I really appreciate it. He's Cal University, UC Berkeley's esports program manager. Uh, you'll be on that, or you won't be on the panel. You'll just be watching, organizing it. I'll be organizing it. Uh, if people want, you know, comments in the peanut gallery, I'm, I'm sure they'll be shouting up at him if they want to know something. You're going to be a plant in the audience for when they do Q&A and you ask them. <laughs> that, might be, that might be funny yeah yeah that might be funny awesome well thank you so much for joining the pod kevin i appreciate it uh yeah that's all for this esports network podcast we've got some other great shows this is on friday uh next week i leave for paris for league of legends world so podcasts are going to be sporadic but i'm trying to have some things for y'all to still listen to and i'll have more updates for what we have coming as i'm gone early next week so thank you all for listening. This was Mitch Reams with the Esports Network Podcast talking to Kevin Pond, UC Berkeley Esports Program Manager.